But this morning, it's just a standalone sermon, no series attached to it at all, it's just by itself, uh, and it's titled, It Is the Time, from Hosea 10, 12, and I hope to paint a picture of just some expectations on our church as we move into 2024 in this new year that we have before us. And we'll do three points with this. It's, what are we walking into? It is the time, and then the last point will be sowing and breaking before we close. So let's pray before we get started. If you would just spend a moment, just ask God to speak to you this morning. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind through Christmas and all the things, and just take a moment to ask him to speak. Lord, we love you, and we just trust you with this time pray that you would speak and you would move in the way that you want it, want to. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, what are we walking into? We're on the cusp of 2024, and there's a lot ahead of us. Uh, individually, I'm sure you have a lot on your plate, things you're thinking through, goals you have, or ideas you have for 2024, trips you want to do, or just all the things you want to change or not do as you did in 2023 or the past. We also have a lot going on in the world, so I'm just going to run through some events that are going on and that could go on through this next year. Uh, first off, to kick off, we have a lot of war going on right now in our world. Uh, there's the war with Ukraine and Russia that, uh, at the moment, most experts are actually predicting that Russia is probably going to win that war. They could possibly win that war. Just all the political ramifications that go along with that. The death toll there is anywhere from 100,000 to 500,000 casualties, depending on what you read. Uh, and this doesn't even take into the devastations of the account of the people's homes that have been destroyed and their lives that they've had to flee and the refugee crisis that is created there. There's another war going on in Israel, between Israel and Hamas, where the death toll is around 22,000 people at the moment. And it's a war where Constantly, non-combatants are put into crises there in the crosshairs of war. And then on top of that, you have Iran, who is intermingling with all that, causing more turmoil with the proxies they have, shooting at military bases, naval ships, container ships, and many more things. That's also messing with international trade and slowing down all the things going on in that area. And some experts are very concerned that this could grow into a broader war drawing the U.S. back into the Middle East again and many other countries. There's also continual escalation with tensions with China and its claim on the country of Taiwan as its own, and whether they're going to take that peacefully or forcibly is kind of unknown. And Taiwan has a huge presidential election this next year coming up, which could determine a lot of things in that region, specifically with the U.S. and its relationship to China. And although not talked about enough, there's actually a new uh, conflict rising up in South America, as new oil reserves have been found in a country called Guiana next to uh, Venezuela, and Brazil is moving troops to the border because Venezuela is threatening to invade and take back what they're claiming as kind of their old land that they used to have. And of course, that oil was supposed to go to the United States, and of course, Venezuela is backed by Russia and China, and so there's just all these ongoing escalations and conflicts. And then we start with politics. Across the world, there's a deep fracture of trust between people and politics. Whether a country is right-leaning or left-leaning, no matter where it is, 
It has the lowest approval ratings across the world of any political leader in most countries at this time. And they're also debating some of the most polarizing topics they have debated in a long time, causing deep, deep fractures and tension and unity. And many of those countries are also gearing up for an election year, of which include Russia, Taiwan, Venezuela, Pakistan, India, and of course, the United States, if you did not know that. And if you were not aware, the U.S. political system is not what you'd call normal this year, or easy, or unifying. It has every indication of being the most polarizing one we've ever had to date. And we haven't even talked about cultural shifts, things that are changing, the ways our country is walking further and further away from God. And then we also haven't talked about what you're going through, what individuals are going through on a normal basis with loneliness and anger and anxiety hitting the all-time highs of our culture, depression, mental illness, the effects the economy is having on everybody. And speaking of anxiety, in case I haven't already caused enough for you this morning, let's talk about the state of the church. The number one reason most people, according to Barna, across any background or belief or no belief at all, have doubts that Christianity is real is one main reason. The hypocrisy of religious people they know in their life. In general, people are very open to Jesus, but they want nothing to do with churches, pastors, worship leaders, the communities of people in those churches. And most importantly, they say the typical megachurch is also a distraction to them today as well. According to Barna, for pastors in particular, from 2015 to 2023, 30% of pastors are less confident in their calling to do what they're doing. 20% less satisfied with their vocation, and 15% less satisfied with their current church. A study also released by Barna in 2020, of April 2020 actually, so it's pre-pandemic, has no post-pandemic stats in it, states that the, for the first time in a long time, the graph line of practicing Christians has actually gone down and been surpassed by non-practicing Christians and those of no faith at all. Weekly church attendance was down across every single generation. Weekly Bible reading was down, and prayer was also down as well. And again, all of those stats are pre-pandemic stats. So I can't imagine that that has gotten better, right? It's probably gotten much, much worse than that. So with that, Happy New Year, right? It's a great time. I hope you're excited for 2024. Uh, I've not painted a great picture for you for 2024, but I do it for a reason, and that is not because of doom and gloom. That's not get ready for the second coming or then the world talk. That's not what we're doing here today. The reason I bring all that up is because most of the time when desperation comes, God moves the most. As one author and pastor and cultural thinker says, Mark Sayers, he says this, crisis precedes renewal. Crisis precedes renewal. So when God is going to show up, it might seem desperate. It might seem really bad. It might seem like everything is going crazy. But crisis always precedes renewal. And so for the time for God to show up is right now. 2024 has all the stress and chaos and all the things going on in it. But I believe this is one of the biggest times in history where God could actually pour out his spirit more than we've ever seen in our lifetimes and in the current history of the church that we're in. 
And it goes to the next point. It is the time. Hosea 10, 12, as Jake read, says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time, it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. As the verse says, it is time to seek the Lord. In a moment like this, of all moments, it is the time to seek the Lord. There's hopelessness in the world. There's chaos in the world. There's all these things happening. But it's not the time for Christians to bunker down and just hope everything goes okay. It's actually time to press in even more. Time to seek after God's kingdom even more in a moment like this. When it's easy and nice, it's it's convenient to go and do these things. uh, But it gets harder when it's chaotic, when there's turmoil. But it's the time to do it even more so. A little context before we keep going on Hosea. Hosea is actually one of the most provocative books in the Bible because the metaphor that God uses to speak to his people is he tells Hosea the prophet to go and marry a prostitute. And the metaphor is to illustrate that God is Hosea. He's faithful in the covenant and loving. And Israel is like the prostitute who is unfaithful and wandering and doesn't hold to the covenant. It's a time of rampant idolatry within Israel. And it's times when the enemies of Israel were threatening to invade and take everything. A time of rampant idolatry. A time of rumors and threatenings of war. It sounds familiar, right? Kind of sounds like 2024 we're going into. We live in the biggest decline of the Western church right now. Idolatry and sin are rampant. People are openly defaming the name of God publicly. The enemy is moving, and honestly, it seems like he's gaining ground, not losing it. Church after church, and America closes its door. And even the ones that keep them open, a good chunk of them are more excited about likes and clicks and all the things that go along with that with celebrity more than they are actually the power of God. They're more like churches in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that says they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. We can't keep operating under the same status quo the church has for so long in the West. We can't have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. We have to do something different. Because I don't know about you, Hope, but I don't want to be around just to see the Western church fall. We want to be a part of its awakening and revival, not its decline. So as Hosea says, now is the time. We need to stop kicking the can down the road, and we actually need to get up and be a part of God reviving his people here and now in the church. We have to be a people that love and long for his presence to come, that desperately need him to come, that we, we breathe it in, we eat it up, we do everything we can to go after his presence above everything else so that he will show up Because in a time like 2024, more than ever, we need him to show up in the church. And kids and and youth in the room, this this goes to you too. You know that most revivals and awakenings in the church actually start with some of the youngest people. Because they're the ones that actually take it in pure faith and run with it. So don't let your youth be a deterrent from hearing what God wants you to do too. So we can no longer do the norm, right? We have to do something different. 
Or as Jeremiah 6, 16 says, it's actually looking and seeing an ancient path. One the church has stuck to for a long, long time that sometimes we lose our way on. That ancient path can mean many different things, of which we don't have time to go into of all the things, but I do know it means two things for our church. It means two things here for us, and that is that we're going to be a church of prayer and we're going to be a church of mission. We're going to be a church that seeks God in all things that we do. We're going to be a God that desperately goes after the presence of God to come in this place. And we're going to be a church of mission, one that goes to the lost, one that goes to the least in society. And not just in a way that checks off a box, but one that is going in proximity to them and the one that's going in friendship to them to build community and restore them. But we have to put in the work. That's why this whole verse is actually kind of like a farming analogy. There's reaping, there's sowing, there's rain, there's fallow ground, there's all these things. So what do we do? We have to sow and we have to break. The, verse, the first part of the verse says, sow for yourselves righteousness and reap steadfast love. We have to sow the seeds of the kingdom in order to expect the kingdom to come in our lives. We can't sow things that are not of God and then expect the results of God to come in this place. And I have to say this first, that little disclaimer, I know some of you are experiencing probably deep uh, spiritual attack by the enemy, and that is real, and I don't want to belittle that or say it doesn't exist. Some of you are experiencing a dry season or a dark night of the soul season, and that is real, and I don't want to belittle that. But a lot of us are more in the other category of if we're not reaping the things of God, it's because we're not sowing the things of God into our hearts. So what are you sowing into your life? What are the activities you give your time to, your affections to, your energy? What do you give the number one place of your heart to? Is it God? Is it prayer and mission, the poor? Is it your Bible? Or is it work? Is it entertainment? Distraction? Is it this little guy here? Is that what we give our hearts to? Is it our, our next hobby that we're trying to get really good at and give our 10,000 hours in to become an expert on? Is it just activity? One thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. By the end of the day, you've given a whole day to everything else and maybe five minutes to God. And then we wonder why our lives don't reflect what we want it to reflect in God. Because we sow if we don't sow the things of the kingdom, we won't get the kingdom in our life. Look, I get it. There's things to do and places to go and things you just have to keep up with. And I'm not trying to knock any of those things. But at some point, we have to open our eyes and realize that we're sowing, we're reaping the things we're sowing in our own heart. If you want the kingdom, you have to sow the kingdom into your own heart, into your own rhythms, into your own activities. And then next, we must break up the fallow ground. What does it even mean? What does fallow ground mean? Well, it's actually a farming term. And the best analogy is something like this. If there was a farmer that had four plots of land, and he only used one of them to farm and left three unused, that is what a fallow ground would be. Those three unused plots would be fallow ground, ones that are being unused by the farmer. There's two ways I think this means. I think both are relevant to wherever you're at in this room this morning. There's one way we have fallow ground, and that is through neglect. 
A farmer can just neglect certain parts of their land. And it goes unused and yields no crop. Simply because they just don't pay attention to it. They let other things drive their motivation and drive their work and drive their heart. And then land is left unused. And it loses its fertility, its vitality, and everything in it. And it becomes dry. So have you neglected parts of your heart today? That's allowed it to become dry, allowed it to become hard, rocky soil instead of fertile. And that goes into the thing with sowing, right? If we're sowing in the things of the kingdom constantly, we're, we're maintaining that fertile, fertile soil that is good and useful. There's also a second way fallow ground is, and that's through restoration. Sometimes a farmer will actually uh, have a field that they've worked so hard and so much that they'll purposely give it a break. They'll purposely give it time in order to restore some of its fertileness back. And so there's times and there's seasons where this is actually a good thing, where God can say, hey, you've, you've done a lot, and I'm giving you a break because I want you to have your vitality back. I want your fertile soil to be back and be useful for the kingdom of God. So there are seasons where we have rest and have breaks, and that is okay and needed. And one thing I believe after kind of going through this verse and praying through it uh, was I kind of think this is where hope is right now. And the beginning of hope so many years ago was Always an active church, super active in everything. Active in the community, active in each other's lives, active overseas, active in the lost. Just in so many ways, it was just an active church. And through the transition and all the changes and all the things that have happened in the last four plus years, I feel like it was really a season of just rest for a lot of people. I didn't feel that way. I know a lot of you worked really hard. I'm not trying to say that. But as like a church of like it's a time to just kind of breathe for a second. But here's the thing. If we stay in rest for too long, it will go to neglect. Rest is good for a season, but if we stay in rest, you will start neglecting instead of resting. If we don't break up our fallow ground, we will also be people that neglect the parts of our heart instead of turning outwards to the people around us. So we have to break our fallow ground, church. We have to sow for ourselves righteousness. And we will reap steadfast love, for it is the time to seek the Lord right now. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go through the trouble of doing these hard things or having these hard questions or sowing certain things into our life or breaking up the fallow ground. Because rest is nice. It gets comfortable, right? There's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just the length of time that you go. Why do we do 24-hour prayer times? Why do we have a two-hour prayer time this afternoon again? Why do we do a church-wide fast in January every year? Why do we do this? The last part of the verse says this. It says that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. 
We do all this so that God will come and rain righteousness upon us. We don't do this for any, any other reason but for God to come and be among us and for him to rain righteousness upon us. We wait for him. It's like a, a farmer that tills the soil and plants the seeds and does all the things, but nothing grows until the rain comes. So we want to do everything that we can to be ready for God to come and rain his righteousness upon us. Are we going to be ready for that? Will the soil of our heart be fertile or will it be fallow? Because when he comes in a moment, when he really comes and he really shows up in a moment and you feel his presence and the blink of an eye, miracles can happen, relationships and marriages can be restored, cancer can be healed. Salvations to people who you thought were a lost cause will, be, will come. Doubts will just be turned instantly into faith. Years of sanctification can happen in a snap of a finger when he comes. And that's desperately what we desire for him to come and do. It's actually one of the reasons, too, why the, the code for the prayer room door is 1012, 10-12. Hosea 10-12 is what that's after. It's to represent every time we go in that room, we're sowing ourselves righteousness. We're breaking the fallow ground so that he can come. We're preparing the way for God to come. Every time we pray, every time someone came in that 24-hour prayer room this past day, it was breaking the fallow ground for themselves and for our church so that God can rain righteousness upon us. A quick story before I wrap up. In the fall of 2020, my family was in Uganda. And our team, we had uh, three families on our team, and we had about 30 to 40 students uh, that were with us. And it was during 2020, so the schools were closed down, but we still wanted to have a usefulness of the time, so we took them uh, to a different city called Jinja to have kind of a week-long retreat uh, with them, just seven days to have some fun, to have some time with ministry and, and worship, some teaching, and so we did. We took them to Jinja, which is a source of the Nile. It's a beautiful place. We went horseback riding. We rode ATVs. We did a 100-foot slide down into the Nile River. All got Belharzia. All took giant horse pills to get better. It's fine. But we did it. It was fun. Um, pills were terrible, though. So never do it. But we also were desperate for God to move in their life. So every day we'd have worship. We'd have teaching. And it was incredible. But before the week started, I really sensed God telling me that he wanted me uh, to wake up early, skip breakfast, and go in the room where the teaching was, or more the, the open room, not a room, and just pray for an hour. So I did. I woke up day after day, and I went in that room, and I prayed for an hour for the names of the students, for God to come, for the person teaching that day. And you know what? Day after day, teaching after teaching, Nothing happened. <laughs> Every single day it went by. And just, it was, it was good. Like, it wasn't like bad, but it just was like, not what I thought. I thought, hey, I'm doing this thing. I thought maybe there'd be something a little more dramatic. Uh, and there wasn't. Until the very last day. The very last night. The very last teaching session. And God showed up in the room. And with him, forgiveness came in the room. Salvation came in the room. Restoration came in the room. 
tears came in the room, and it was one of the most incredible experiences of my whole life. I really couldn't believe it. I was, I was sitting in the back just witnessing what was happening, and I, I was kind of overwhelmed of like, wow, God told me to do this, and he really came. He really showed up, and it was overwhelming in the greatest way possible. But looking back, I, I also asked the question just out of my own mind and the way it works. is just like, what if I wouldn't have listened? What if I would have just said, no, it's okay. I'm going to have breakfast with everybody else. What if after the third day of nothing happening, I just stopped? Because like, oh, this isn't doing anything. What if on the last day, I would have stopped? Like, would God still have showed up? He could have, because he can do that, right? But I don't know. That's a good question. I don't have an answer for you, honestly. But for whatever reason, he told me to pray. And I just showed up and prayed. I'd never done anything like that before. I just really felt God stirring me to do it, and I did it. And he came. The things that God is asking us to do, church, during this season, it's not always going to be the easiest thing to do. It's not always or almost never the convenient thing to do. Going to the prayer room at 3 a.m. in the morning is not convenient for anybody. Coming at 3 to 5 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon is not convenient for anybody. Waking up earlier at your own home so that you can have time to pray and seek God is not convenient. Going down and spending time with the poor, going to crosswalk and the different things they have with the ex-cons is not ever, ever going to be convenient or easy. but you have to take the time and effort to rearrange your schedules, to cut things out, to change things around in order to follow what God has for you above everything else. To sow righteousness into your life, to break the follow ground of your heart is not a convenient thing to do. But it is the thing that God will use to come. It's the thing that he will use to come and rain down righteousness on your life and our church's life and to wake up the church to hear and now to revive his people. 2023 is behind us and all that it has or didn't have for you. And we're going into 2024. And it can be a year that God chooses to move in a powerful way more than maybe he ever has in your life. So enough is enough with all the distractions and all the things you let get in. And it's time to break up your follow ground and seek God. It is the time. I'm not going to lie to you, 2024 looks rough. It doesn't look like a fun year ahead, as far as the world speaking. I don't know what you have going on, but the world looks like it's going into a pretty crazy time and chaotic time. But really, as a church, it's a time to stand up as we like look through the door to 2024. And have this threshold moment of where we actually cross over into 2024 more boldly than we ever have. Seeking him more boldly than we ever have. Giving up things in our life to pursue the kingdom of God more than we ever have. Will we take that threshold moment or will we try to shut the door?
this a time to seek a God and for the renewal and awakening of his people here and now in our time, right now. There's no reason it can't happen right now with us. So dig up your fallow ground, church. It's time to seek the Lord. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up. What is it that God is speaking to you today that you need to deal with? What are the places in your life where you have sown things that are not of the kingdom of God, that are not reaping things that would stir your affections for him? And again, I'm all for doing things in life that God, God has created things that are fun and enjoyable for us to do. But what are the things you know that you have to cut out, that you need to, that you're holding on? What are the places of your heart that you have left untilled and unused and neglected? And now's the time to break that fallow ground up. Who in the room is maybe going into a season of rest and that is good and you just need to sit in that and rest in that and appreciate God's goodness for you. How many of you are also, you've been in rest, but you're on the verge of going into neglect? And it's time to get back into the game. Let's pray. There's a prayer team comes up to you. You respond however God leads you. Lord, we come to you. Just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are God who wants to renew his people. You're the God who desires us to come more closely to you. You're the God who, when we sow things of the kingdom, we will reap steadfast love because of your grace. So Lord, we pray right now that you would rain down your righteousness on us in this moment, in this room, into 2024 and beyond, that we would seek your will above every other thing and that you would come you would rain your righteousness down on us, God. We're asking and begging for you to come. We can't go into 2024 without you. We don't want to go into 2024 without you. Please come during this time. Hear me pray.